See, the church that I'm serving with right now, uh, we, we meet in a school, and with COVID, you know, they, they, they gave us the boot, you know, and so, so we're, we're meeting through Zoom and simulcast and other things like that, and it's good. I mean, it's good. I mean, the Spirit is there, and the Lord is moving, and things are happening, but there's something special about being together in a physical space where you can hug somebody, where you can give high fives, where you can fist bump. I mean, you guys are home. I guess what I feel is that I'm homeless and you are home. And I get to be in your home today. And I, I love that. Thank you for inviting me in. Um, feel free to be seated if you like. Um, you know, for, for the last 15, 16 years, I, I've known Edwin. He's a good friend of mine, you know, and he's, he's a young guy. I mean, he's, he's, a, he's an eloquent speaker. He's, he's a visionary. I mean, he's got, he's the full package. He's good looking. I mean, just look at him. I mean, <laughs> he's got the whole world ahead of him. You know, and, uh, you know, when you're young, when you're young, you, you tend to assume that your best days are ahead of you, right? You know, you, you think about the trajectory of your life and you think, you know what, some things have gone wrong along the way. You know, I've made some mistakes, but my best days, you know, they're still in front of me. You know, and then, and then when you get to a certain age, like me, you get to that certain age, and then you start wondering, are my best days really ahead of me? You know, you know or did, did, I, did I miss something along the way? Did I make a wrong turn somewhere? You know, and, uh, and that's what I want to talk about today, because in John 10.10, 10, and this is a scripture passage most of you know, Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. Abundant life, abundant life. That means Jesus came purposefully to make sure that you would have access to an abundant life. He would create divine appointments for you that would enable you to walk in life to the full and experience it abundantly. And so we're going to talk about what that looks like. Okay? The question is, are we? How do we know if we are experiencing the abundant life, if we're, if we're living life to the full? Well, one of the things that I've come to realize is that there are really only two types of people in this world, two types of people. Those who look back on their lives with regret and remorse and, and, you know, they feel badly about how things have played out. But then there's another group of people that refuse to be left behind. They refuse to be left behind. And what I've noticed about these two groups is that natural ability and privilege and intelligence have very little to do with whether or not a person steps into the abundant life. It has very little to do with those things. In fact, oftentimes those that have very few resources, very little natural ability, uh, end up experiencing life to the full in ways that others couldn't. So there's a mystery behind that. You know, sometimes those that have all the, the privilege, all the opportunities, all the intelligence get crushed under that, that, that fear that we sometimes deal with. 
You know, that sense of insecurities, our past failures. But I know that God wants something more for us. He wants us to step into that abundant life. So what is the secret? Have you ever heard the acronym FOMO? Fear of missing out. Fear of missing out. I think there, there's, there's something to this that will help us. Okay? I have a, a, a pastor friend of mine. And he was telling me the story about this young man in his church. And this young man was really lonely. You know, he would come to church and he'd always be dejected and down. And, you know, and he, you know, the pastor would say, hey, how you doing? Oh, you know, I don't know. I'm not, you know, I'm, a, I'm getting by. You know. and, and so the pastor said, you know, I, I want to take this kid under my wing. I want to encourage him. I'm going to invite him over to my house with my family. I want him to experience community, fellowship. And so he would constantly ask him, do you want to come over to our place after church, hang out with our family? And, and, and he would always say, oh, thanks, Pastor. You know, can I get back to you? Can I let you know? And this happened enough times that Pastor you know, started thinking, you know, what's the deal with that? You know, so he pulls this young man aside and he says, hey, I got a question for you. You know, whenever I ask you to come over to my house, you know, for dinner or to hang out, you always say thanks, but can I let you know? Are you waiting for a better opportunity? <laughs> you know, are you waiting for a better opportunity? And, you know, the kid took a step back and thought about it for a second. He said, yeah, Pastor, you know, I think I am. You know, I think I am. You know, and, and frequently we do this, you know, and, and, you know, it's interesting because this same kid... You know, he had so many opportunities uh, to be in fellowship, and he had so many opportunities to experience abundance, and yet his FOMO sometimes undermined that. For instance, he would date these amazing young women, okay? He'd, he'd date these amazing young women, but after two, three, four weeks, he would break up with them because he would start to wonder, you know, could there be somebody else out there that is even more amazing than the person that I'm currently with, right? It never occurred to him that she might have been able to look around and find somebody out there more amazing for her, right? It never occurred to him. So, so he breaks up and he's feeling lonely, he's feeling discouraged, he's feeling dejected because of FOMO. Now, FOMO is not always a bad thing. It only becomes a problem when we're, when we're focusing on the things that are not the most important, right? I mean, we, we live in New York where we want to have options. There's tons of things going on that we want to step into, and we want to leave our options open to some degree, but we sometimes focus on the wrong things, and we miss out on the, the amazing things that God is putting right in front of us, the things that God is doing in our midst that he's inviting us into, the divine appointments, Okay? Now, the thing is, if God puts a divine appointment in front of us, and he does, I believe that God is constantly putting divine appointments in our path because he knows that that's it's going to get us to that abundant life. We need to be prepared to say yes. We need to be prepared to say yes. And when we do say yes, we step into God's favor and privilege, and all the things that come with that. You know, one of the recurring themes that we see in the Bible is that God frequently leads people into situations that are seemingly impossible. Okay? 
seemingly impossible. And then he waits to see how they respond. Okay? He takes you into a situation. You look around. There's obstacles. There's challenges. But how are you going to respond? Do you know your identity? Do you know who's with you? Do you know who's leading you into this situation? Will you have enough trust to look beyond the obstacles and the fears? Will you say yes to the divine appointment that God is offering you? If so, you will experience God's favor and the abundant life. Do you remember the story of the Israelites when they were coming out of, out of captivity? Okay. Remember the 12 spies that Moses sent in to scout out the promised land that God had promised? Okay. Well, prior to that, the Israelites had been slaves for 40 or 400 years. Okay, they had, they had turned their backs on God. They had taken their eyes off of God. And he allowed them to be taken into captivity and slaved for 400 years. But now God is enacting this incredible rescue plan. You know, sometimes when we think that it's all over, God's just beginning. Okay? And, and so the Egypt, you know, these Israelites are, have been in captivity for 400 years. They've, they've probably figured that God has long since forgotten them. But God is working on a master plan. Okay? He's going to bring them out of captivity, and not, and not just a, a normal way, in a supernatural way. Okay? So God sends Moses and Aaron to Pharaoh, and he tells them, let my people go. Okay? And you remember, Pharaoh hardens his heart. He, he just, he's not going to allow that to happen because he's, he's gaining a lot of resources from the work of all of these slaves. Right? So he's not going to let them go. And so God starts sending plague after plague. And eventually, Pharaoh says, all right, just go, just go. You know, take your stuff and go. And as the Israelites leave, he has a change of heart once again. Okay, so he mobilizes his army, all of his chariots, his horsemen, his military, and he chases after these Israelites. And he catches up with them just as they're at the banks of the Red Sea. And the Israelites are looking around and they're thinking, we're going to die. You know, we're going to die out here in the desert. But then God does something miraculous. He parts the Red Sea and all the Israelites are able to cross on dry land, remember? Okay. Now imagine if you were in that situation. You can look to your left and you can see this wall of water. To your right, a wall of water. And you're walking across this sea on dry land. You get to the other side and then as... These Egyptian soldiers start to come down after you. The water comes in and drowns all of them. And you are miraculously saved and safe on the other side. Okay? You would think that after an experience like that, your faith would be at an all-time high. Right? You would think, God has got me, right? I don't think I have to worry about my situation anymore because clearly God is taking us somewhere. Okay? Now... The next thing that God does is he takes the Israelites to the edge of the promised land. They're on the banks of the Jordan, and he, he says, all right, this is the land that I've promised you. It's a land filled with milk and honey, meaning that it had everything that you would possibly need to thrive. Okay, so Moses and Aaron, they send in 12 spies to scout out the land. They want to see if these cities are fortified. They want to see if it really is a land of milk and honey. They want to see... What they're getting into. Are there people there that they're going to have to conquer? What's it going to look like? 
Okay? And after 40 days, they come back. They come back. And when they come back, they, 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 they announce that, yes, in fact, it is a land of milk and honey. It has everything that we could possibly want. In fact, in Numbers 13, 27, it says, we went into the land in which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. They even brought some fruit back with them to show them. But the people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak, which are giants. There were actually giants back there then. Okay. The Amalekites live in the Negev, the Hittites, the Jesusites, the Amorites in the hill country, and the Canaanites live near the sea along the Jordan. Okay. So what they're saying is, this place has a lot of people. We are outnumbered. The cities are fortified. There are giants in the land. Okay, and you can, you can kind of sense the fear and the concern that's coming over some of these spies. But then Caleb and Joshua, Caleb, two of the spies, calm everybody down and say, whoa, 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 listen up, folks. Listen up. We should go into that land, they said. We should go and take possession of the land. We can certainly do it. Okay, because they were operating out of a place of identity. They knew who they were. They knew that God was in control of this situation, and they knew that they could do it with God's strength. But the men who had gone up with him said, we cannot attack those people. These are the other spies. They are stronger than we are. They are spread along the and they spread along the Israelites a bad report about the land that they explored. They said, the land that we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there were of great size. We saw the Nephilim there, the descendants of Anak. And we seemed like grasshoppers in our eyes, and we looked the same to them. Do you see them giving into the fear? Okay, they're, 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 they're giving into the fear. Their, their perspective is in the wrong place. Okay. And what God is doing in this moment is he's giving the Israelites a divine appointment. Okay, a divine appointment. But are they ready to say yes? Do they know their identity? Can they look beyond the obstacles? Can they trust God in the midst of this challenge? Two of the spies said yes. They saw all of the obstacles that the other spies could see. They knew that there were giants there, but their focus was on God, and the others couldn't get past the obstacles, the giants in the land. And we all have giants in our land. That's part of living in a fallen world. So the other spies, overcome by fear, convinced all of Israelite to stay. We can't go in, they said. We can't go in. And because of their lack of faith, God took that entire generation into the desert where they wandered for 40 years until all of them had died except for those two that said, let's go, let's take this land. Okay? Now, my question is, and this is interesting, did God abandon his people in the desert? He did not abandon them, did he? He continued to meet their needs. He fed them in the desert. He uh, led them by a pillar of fire at night. He led them by a pillar of smoke during the day. But none of those people in that generation that said no 
were able to step into the abundant life, the divine appointment that God had prepared for them. Okay? When we say no to divine appointments that God has set for us, is our salvation at risk? No, no. Our salvation is never at risk. Uh, Christ has made sure of that. We can never lose our salvation, but we could lose our calling. Right? God has given us a calling, and sometimes, you know, we have to decide if we're going to take it or not. Okay? So 40 years later, after that entire generation had passed away, except for Joshua and Caleb, he leads the Israelites to that exact same place along the Jordan. Okay, they're in the same place 40 years later, being offered the same divine appointment once again. Were there still giants in the land? Yes, there were. Were the walls still fortified? Yes, they were. Were they still outnumbered? Yes, they were probably even more outnumbered at this point. But this time, they said yes. Okay, they accepted the divine appointment. And here's the thing, folks. You know, if, if God gives us a divine appointment, sometimes we think that we have all the time in the world to decide, right? You know, but, but the problem is, if we're not ready to embrace it, that divine appointment often goes to someone else. And they get all the blessings that come with it. And God wants that divine appointment to be for you. Okay? Do you remember how the Israelites took Jericho? That first city, that first fortified city that they came to? God told Joshua to have everyone march around the walls of the city seven times. And then blow trumpets. Now, can you imagine if you were like one of the, the generals? You know, and this is what Joshua said. Hey, this is our plan. We're going to go in, we're going to march around the city seven times, and then we're going to blow some musical instruments. Okay? <laughs> All right? Now, I don't know, man. I, I would be like, okay. You know, but that's what they did. And you must imagine what Joshua and the rest of the Israelites must have felt when those trumpets blew and those walls started coming down. In that moment, they knew they were living in the nucleus of God's will. Okay? They knew that God was for them, that God was providing for them, that God was opening doors for them, that they were living the abundant life in that moment. And it must have felt amazing. Okay? This is what it's like to live the abundant life. Now, all of us want to live our lives to the full, don't we? I mean, we really want to embrace that abundant life. We want to we leave a legacy for good. You know, we want the world to, to think of us in a certain way, you know, that, we've, that we did something with our lives. But here's the thing. If we stay where we are, if we stay where we are, we stay who we are. That's the thing, you know. God is constantly prodding us to, to go somewhere, to do something, okay? I used to have a, a pastor friend that would say, God cannot bless inactivity. You know, we, we sit around sometimes and we say, Lord, bless me, you know. Open up doors for me, but we don't do anything that God can bless, right? Amen. <laughs> God, God wants us to take those steps of faith and to take those, 
divine appointments that he's setting before us every day and just in faith stepping into those and seeing what God will do with it. You see, God has given you resources and a calling that is unique to you alone. Did you know that? At the beginning of time, God was envisioning you. And when he was envisioning you, he was thinking, what kind of skills and personality and attributes and giftings do I want to instill in this person? Not just so they have those gifts and abilities, but because I have a specific purpose in mind for them that will enable them to do certain things that no one else can do as effectively as this individual unique masterpiece. That's the way God is looking at you. And then what he does as you go through life is he sets before you these divine appointments that, that allow you to step into those moments where you can shine, where you can utilize those gifts. Now, you might say, well, it's too late for me. You know, as I look back over my life, I've had a lot of those divine appointments that I said no to, and I think I missed it. Or maybe you went down a path that, that led to a lot of destruction. You hurt yourself and you hurt a lot of other people. But here's the thing, you know, God is in the business of taking what is broken and turning it into what is beautiful. Amen. What is broken and turning it into what is beautiful. <laughs> I, remember, I remember talking to Tim Keller about this one time. And, uh, and, and he told me the story. He said, you know, I, I was thinking about my life. I was thinking about the whole trajectory of my life. And he said, and as I looked back, I could see all of these hurtful things that people had done to me over the years. And it just, I felt the weight of all of that. The anger started coming up. The, the hurts were coming up again because I could, I could relive these experiences. Yeah, some of you have been there. And, and, and then he said, and then I flipped it around and I started thinking about all the hurtful things that I have done to other people. And I started feeling the weight and, and feeling crushed by all of those things. You know, I started feeling like, who am I? What hope is there for me? And then he thought, wouldn't it be amazing if I could get into a time machine and go back in time and one second before each of those things happened, I would just change things just a little bit so I wouldn't say that hurtful thing or I wouldn't do that stupid thing or I wouldn't be in the place where I could receive the pain from that other person. And you know what the Lord said to him? He said, ho, ho, hold on, Tim. Hold on. He said, don't you understand? All the hurtful things that you have done and all the hurtful things that have been done to you over the years have equipped you to be a minister in a place like New York City. Okay? You see, God takes all that stuff. Nothing is ever wasted. He redeems all of it. He turns it all into something beautiful. He gives you depth. I mean, you cannot have depth without going through pain. You cannot have insight to help another person who's about to make a bad move unless you've made a few bad moves yourself. Right? Okay? So God will take all that stuff in your life and he'll use it for his glory if you'll let him. He'll create divine appointments for you and allow you to say yes or no. So here's the thing. If you want to live your life to the full, remember who you are in Christ. You are fully redeemed. 
You are a masterpiece created by him for specific tasks. You've been equipped and empowered. You've been sent, okay? You are his ambassador, his hands and his feet. And so my encouragement to you is to develop a FOMO for the extraordinary things that God wants to do through you. Okay, look for those things. Every day, look for those things. Expect that God will give you divine appointments and be ready to say yes when they come. They'll surprise you. Sometimes they, they catch you off guard. You know, but if you're ready, you won't miss them. And don't fixate on the giants in the land or the obstacles that you're going to see, because you're going to see them. The divine appointments come and you take a step back and you say, oh, I don't know if I want to go there, right? There's a lot, of, a lot of things that I would have to overcome. God's bigger than all those things. Remember when we sang, God is greater, our God is greater? Yeah, when, you were, when we were singing that, I could literally feel the stress and anxiety falling off of me and joy welling up inside of me because I know that's truth. And when we get into a funk and we don't feel like we're worth anything or we can't accomplish anything that's of any value, you know what question you need to ask yourself? What lie am I believing? What lie am I believing? Because the enemy is constantly going to try to steal these divine appointments from you through lies. So don't fixate on the giants in the land or the obstacles facing you because they are irrelevant. Okay? And remember this. If God is for you, you know the rest. If God is for you, who can be against you? Who can be against you? God has a divine appointment for you. And it's probably today. As you leave here today, as you interact with people, just ask yourself, Lord, how are you going to use me? What divine appointments are you opening up for me in this moment? Because I want to be ready to embrace them. One encouraging word could transform a person's life. You know, you never know what God's going to do through you. But I know it's going to be good if you'll just let him. So can I pray for you? Lord Jesus, thank you for being a God who is greater. A God who never gives up on us regardless of how many times we blow it. I know there are people in here like me that sometimes think, well, Lord, you know, a lot of those sins have been blatant. They've been purposeful, you know, and I don't know if there's a chance for me at this point. But the Lord says, my grace is sufficient for you. You are my child and I love you and I will never stop loving you. I'm going to open doors for you that you never even imagined. So when I do say yes and take that step of faith, we thank you for your unending love in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you.